Is it loving then obeying or obeying then loving? What's the matter with the order? We'll figure it out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. The love of God. What a wonderful topic to talk about on this episode of Inverse. We're going to delve deeper into the concept of God's love as we study the book of Deuteronomy. In the studio, we have Sebastian Israel and Callie. How are you guys? Aloha. How are you? Guys okay? Yes, sir. We have been looking at the book of Deuteronomy, and have you had a good experience thus far? Yeah. I've loved it. Hopefully, you guys are following along. We want to encourage you to bring your Bibles, whether it's digital, digital or analog, and open to Deuteronomy chapter 6 with us. Also, you can go to inversebible.org and download the Bible study guides. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Sebastian, can you pray for us? Yes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are delighting in your word as we go through this book. And many times, Father, the truths that truly impact us are not immediately upon the surface, but they come through conversation and through careful research. We pray now that as we turn our minds to this Shema prayer, this very important part of Jewish history and experience and in the Word of God, that it may speak to us personally and collectively is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We started in Deuteronomy chapter 1. God is recalling all the ups and downs in experience and in their journey. Then we went to the Ten Commandments. And now we're in chapter 6. And Israel, if you can read from 4 through 9, please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. All right. So, Kelly, what's going on in this uh, so far? What's going on in Deuteronomy? Yeah, so we have covered kind of the first few chapters here, and I think most recently we talked about the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we think of the first, we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of Exodus 20, Mm -hmm. and they're certainly there. Mm -hmm. But they're also repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we talked about last time, too, how they're not just, they're not really Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're Ten Words or Ten Promises, and it's in the context of a relationship. And even just what Israel just read, it's very... Deuteronomy is very heart-centric, mm-hmm. and sometimes we might think of it as law-centric, but it's it's heart-centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not what you often think about Deuteronomy. You think yeah. of it as the book of laws, but it's one of, I think, if not the most quoted book by Jesus. Yep. Uh, I think that Deuteronomy and Psalms are both up there in the top ten of Jesus, and there's it's a very heart-centric, hearts mm-hmm. and a hearty, but yeah, heart-centric, heart-centric yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, book. Yeah. So let's go into the the Shema. Why is this such a great prayer? Why is it so central, and and how can how can we apply it? What's what's our connection? Sebastian? Well, I think when you start with the original audience, right, this following the the recounting, right, which we said, you know, Deuteronomy is like second law, right. Mm-hmm. So it's like recounting those commandments in a new context, 
And then now that he's given that covenant, established this part, and we're transitioning into this call. Mm -hmm. And this call and this prayer is kind of like a rallying cry for all the people, right? It's something that they can beckon back to and eventually, historically, will become a part of their daily worship, mm -hmm. you know, as Jews, to hearken back to this concept of to hear. And it's interesting that the word there, the Shema, right, the word here, there is a word in Hebrew that's not only speaking to listening, but also to obeying. Mm. So it is understood that there's a connection from not only being a hearer, right, to borrow the words of James, but also a doer of the things that we're talking. And so it's interesting that the, the connection of obedience and doing that which you have heard is also directly tied into the love, right, that God is calling for. Mm -hmm. And this is what establishes for the Jew, love should be the first priority, right? Not the obedience, not the actions. Mm -hmm. But hear, O Israel, exactly the order, you need to love the Lord your God, and then you start talking about walking in and teaching. Yeah, you see uh, definitely those two ingredients of obedience and, and love in, mm -hmm. in that walk. Uh, what, what would experience look like if it had no love? It would just be obedience. What would the experience look like if it was just obe obedience and, and no love? It would just be mindless uh, legalism. Well, know? it's right. impossible. I think the, the whole point of it, it is impossible to obey without love and it is impossible to love without obeying. Mm -hmm. The two mm -hmm. go together. Mm -hmm. and, that's the, and that's the point of what Jesus or what God is trying to teach us in the book of Deuteronomy mm. is that to know God is to love him. The, the, the response of knowing who God is, the realization of knowing and understanding in, in our very, in the depths of our heart, who God really is in the depths of his heart mm -hmm. will naturally breed within us a desire to want to follow him, mm -hmm. a desire to want to obey him. Mm -hmm. That's just the nature of love. And so, you know, uh, Moses is trying to remind us here and, and, and to personalize, you can see it even in the prayer, to personalize our relationship with God. Notice how it starts there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Mm. It's a collective here. Like he's not, he, he's our God. He's our collective God. But then in verse five, notice how then that, that changes. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Mm -hmm. So here there's a transition, even in the just prayer, there's a transition between from our God to your God, the personalizing of our own personal experience and our own personal relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so much as if you have the Ten Commandments or right after you have the Shema prayer here, it's a, this is the apex of the Ten Commandments. This is mm -hmm. what the Ten Commandments is alluding to. Yep. How, how What's a great diagnostic of whether, how do you know whether you've loved the God, Lord with all your heart, all your strength, all your spirit, all your mind, all your body? I don't know if they're all in there in Deuteronomy, but you know in the other parts <laughs> in the Bible, all the alls are, are there, right? Yes. How do you know? I know the intention may be always there, mm -hmm. but... Do you ever know? Is that a, a legit question to ask? Here. I feel like it's a constant pursuit, right? Mm -hmm. It's an awareness. Mm -hmm. It's an invitation of God into every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And you see that even repeated when you get down to verse seven, and he's talking about even in time, when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. So there's this sort of ubiquitous element that he's saying, your relationship with God needs to be invited into every dimension of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's how you know that you're loving him with all, right? Your, and then fill in the blank, right? Whether it's my home, my mind, my physical strength, 
I need to invite Jesus to be a part of that. <laughs> and, I, and, and though that feels abstract, there's a practical element to that, that God becomes the person of my counsel when I'm looking at, well, here's my exercise plan. Well, here's how I'm going to relate to my, my wife and my children. I'm inviting God into that. <laughs> and I believe that's one of the first gauges is think about those areas in your life where you are not conscious, right, and aware of God and seeking him as a person of counsel in that particular dimension of your life. Mm -hmm. There's a there's almost what what comes to my mind as a connection between this and the words of Christ when he gives a beatitudes. You know, he says that it is those who hunger and thirst after righteousness who are the ones that are ultimately filled. Mm -hmm. But but there's this there's this kind of like a interesting dynamic that is going on. Like, how can we be filled if we're hungering and thirsting? And it's like the mm, cyclical. Yeah, question. it's, it's yeah. cyclical, right? Yep. And so. Uh, here to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. Righteousness is holiness. Holiness is likeness to God. God is love, right? In the book, uh, Christ's Object Lesson. No, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, sorry. And, and, and this concept of wanting to be righteous or loving God is tied into that. It's tied into the law of God. To love God is to do this. And how do we know if we really love God? Well, do we hunger and thirst to be like him? Mm. It, it, because this is ultimately the, the differentiating factor between a real person, a real Christian and a non-Christian, mm. right? For a moment in time, you can act as though you're a real Christian. You can, you can um, in many ways, fake Christianity. Right. And another, in another sense, there's, you can be blinded to the fact that there's a real Christian behind the facade of sin, mm. right? Mm. I remember when I, first, when I first gave my life to Christ, one of the biggest challenges that I had was uh, dealing with anger and dealing with bad words. You know, uh, growing up, people were like, man, you're going to beat your wife when you grow up because everything was always a fight. You know, hi, how are you doing? Oh, you're mad. Get me mad. We start fighting. Right. Everything led to fighting. Mm. Everything led to cursing. And so when I gave my life to Christ, bad words would always slip out. You know, just in a normal conversation, we'd be talking and then bleep, 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 bleep. And then, oh, where did that come from? Right. And if you would look at me, and many people did, <laughs> right, they thought to themselves, this guy is the farthest thing from Christianity. Not knowing that deep within my soul, I wanted to be like Christ, mm -hmm. right? And so, what, and many times our experience can betray who we really are. And so a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a hunger and a thirst, a desire to be like Christ, a desire and a thirst for holiness is an indication of whether or not we really love God. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like what the prayer is trying to experience or is trying to portray. The connection between loving God and hungering and thirsting to be like Him. And this is saying, if you really love God, if you really hunger and thirst after righteousness, then it's going to become part of every aspect of your life. Mm. When you wake up, Christ. When you go to sleep, God. When you're, when you're speaking with your children, every aspect of your life will involve this quest towards holiness, godliness, likeness to God, love, Righteousness. You know, yeah, let me just uh, back on what Israel said. Verse seven, eight, nine—it's uh, the, the verse is just talking kind of colloquially. Like if you do this, this will what will, will happen. Like you'll just right. be talking about God at home, and you'll be you'll be uh, when you're lying. Exactly what you guys said. But uh, the ancient Israelites took that literally. Yes? Right. If you'll do this, this will happen. So that means they just took that in verse. If we just make this happen, then they just reverse the formula. Mm -hmm. But that is that the case? We just kind of check mark off, and we'll just put 
put some Bible verses on the doorpost. We'll put a lot of the Bible <laughs> verse in in a you know on the frontlets of my eyes. You know, mm-hmm. oh, it's now it's time to get up. Now we've got to read the Bible. We don't we, we can make fun of the ancient Israelites, but do we do similar things ourselves today? Yeah, I, I think we do, and I would definitely say love always results in obedience, but obedience does not always result in love. Mm. It can result in drudgery, or you're saying like like being a robot, or I would just say a lot of resentment. Mm. Um, I don't, even like you talk about the, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, I don't get a lot of sense of love for God. Mm. There's just a lot of, I obey the rules, and I'm awesome, and mm. I'm holy, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just focusing on the actions, thinking if I do the actions, then I'll get I'll get the love in my heart or just I'll I'll do the actions and then I'll get all the the benefits but we forget that the benefits they come from the love and the obedience only comes from love so that kind of like your earlier question the order really does matter right mm-hmm. yeah. or love first obedience second correct okay. yep. yeah right. exactly right. it, it just that. reminds me of this story by Spurgeon well, before we get into your story, I have a feeling we need to take a break right now. So hold that thought by Spurgeon. Spurgeon can wait. And when we come back, we'll hear Sebastian's story about Charles Spurgeon. So stay with us. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We're looking at love and obedience. These are the two ingredients for a proper Christian experience. But one is first, and the other one comes naturally. And that's what we're talking about in the book of Deuteronomy. Sebastian. So Charles Spurgeon was telling a story about how a, a fellow preacher of his was mentioning to him that there was a woman who had announced in church that she had a need financially. And so they dismissed from church and he was cleaning up the church and then he had collected an offering and he was gonna go take it to her. Mm -hmm. So he went to her house, he knocked on the door several times, no answer, and he's like, this is really odd. So he goes back to church and then for midday prayer, the woman walks into the church and he's like, hey sister, how are you doing today? Um, I actually came by your house like, because I remembered your need, right? I had, we had collected an offering. And she was like, well, what time did you come by? And he's like, I was around 12, 12.30 or so. And she's like, oh, I was home. And he was like, you didn't hear me knocking? She's like, oh, I heard the knock. But she said she thought it was the debtor, right? Mm-hmm. She thought it was the person she owed money to, so she didn't open. Mm. And he was making the point with this story that, you know, a lot of times when God comes to us, going back to Callie's point, because we feel like this is a do this and get this result, it's transactional. So there's almost like a debt, like you're not gonna get the blessing until you go ahead and put it on your doorpost. You're not gonna get the blessing until you do this. So here's the transaction. So when he comes knocking and you're like, man, I can't deliver today, right? I'm not gonna have devotion today or I didn't have devotion. So therefore we don't answer the door when the Holy Spirit comes knocking versus the person who's knocking, God is actually saying, I'm coming to remember your need, Mm. what you need to actually obey. And that's why you should be taking the time to reflect on my word or to teach it to your children. Because there's so many times where I'm giving worship to my kids and I'm blessed, right, by reflecting on this to teach them. And I'm like, guys, you need to get this, right? This is inspirational. And my wife is like... yourself. Exactly. My wife's like, babe, I think you're just convicting yourself. <laughs> it's like, and, and it was true because, like, as I'm teaching my kids... I'm also being blessed, right? As I'm trying to teach them as we walk by the way and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. So I think that's a critical piece with the 
loving and obedience is God's not coming with these demands to ask. He's coming to bring. Yeah. You know, one, one, from my experience, I appreciate that, Sebastian. In my experience, uh, I was someone who did not like the love of God uh, mm-hmm. because I felt that it was elementary. Fluffy. Uh, it was fluffy. It was, come on, come on, I know it, I know this, I know that. Like, let's get into the obedience part because give me give me the details. Give me the EULA agreement and I'm going to read every single part and I'm going <laughs> to fulfill it. That's the gl- love the practical part. things. But uh, that led to an experience, as, a, you, as you previously described. It, ironically for me, it, it was actually the understanding the law that really helped me appreciate God's love the most. And I think mm-hmm. even the order where chapter 5, the law is given, and chapter 6, you have the Shema prayer. Mm-hmm. When I understood the law not to be Eula, Eula, well, I keep saying Eula, I'm not, <laughs> but anyway, the licensing agreement details. Right. Um, it, it was it, rather than the Ten Commandments and understanding under the New Covenant framework mm-hmm. that these are Ten Promises mm-hmm. that, that you will not be able to lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just such profound idea. For I mean, people. it's a huge paradox. You won't be able to covet. Yeah. Right, not that dear. Don't covet, you know. Like, and You're I don't just know why, like, But instead of having that debt, debtor, uh, debt collector knocking, it was, hey, I'm here to give you money, some power, some supernatural victory, so that you won't be able to covet. You, you'll be something <laughs> will happen in your heart. I yes. mean, I've got so many names for it. But I think this is what what totally got me excited. What totally like activated, you know, my my Christian experience. And after mm-hmm. that, I was like, God, like you're doing everything, right? Yeah. Man, did I want to obey and I run to the source of this power, yeah. right? My, my running has nothing, there's no efficacy in that whatsoever, but that's right. my natural reaction because that's how, how awesome God is. Amen. And what's crazy about it is that when you run and you finally reach God, you only discover that he's already been there, right? right. And it's like the anticipation which, which builds on the love of God is that God loves us so much that he even anticipates mm. what's going to happen, right? Mm. And, and, and this, is, this is part of the beauty of the character of God, that he loves us so much that he's so aware of all of our needs so that at the end, when we run to God, we discover actually that we ran to the person who's been chasing us, mm. right? Mm. That's and right. And so that, that, I think that order is critical in understanding uh, God's will for our lives. And it's also critical in how we develop our families because that's the other thing that has an order. It says, first of all, you love the Lord your God and then you teach that to your children. Mm, right. And I think that's also another critical component of the passage that before I can share with others the love of God, I must first experience it for myself. Mm. And part of the reason why there is so much legalism, part of the reason why there is so many problems against Christianity is because of our own hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. We're trying to teach something that we ourselves are not experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, this is totally goes to new covenant parenting, right? right? New covenant marriages. So with God, not, 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 barking these commands at me but saying empowering me and loving me to mm. obey right and that should impact that how I parent right yeah and it's a lot more carnal and a lot more efficient for me to just bark orders on my sons and you will comply right and I confess that is how I've I have parented at moments of, of weakness right. or in marriage like you will do this because that's I mean this is what marriage is and you and right and, and, and you want and sometimes it's a lot easier and you do get results sometimes <laughs> Right. Not always positive results, but you do right, right, right. temporary results. I mean, look at the godless world out there. There is some semblance of order and results in. And you look right. at North Korea. I mean, there's people are living quote <laughs> righteously there without any God, right? Mm. So human effort can do 
can do some. Right. Can do yeah. some, right? Yes. Uh, but but to say that it's everything. Anyway, but to but to raise our children under the new covenant framework, what does that look like? To have marriages, to have neighborly relations, to have I don't know churches right. under the new covenant relate. What does that look like? I mean, that's the exciting part. And, and I I love what you're saying because it's reminding me of the shifts that I had to make as a parent and a father, right, with my kids. And I remember reading, you know, one author was talking about, you know, how not to you know, treat your children and speak harshly to them. Mm. And sometimes, right, you get frustrated because it's like command after command after command, and it's like, stop, no, left, right, and then next thing you know, you're just like, I said sit down, right? <laughs> and so you're just like, I'm sorry, Jesus, I'm like, I'm not holy, right? And the, it must be harder as, as ex-military, as in two. Most definitely. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, um, sorry, I said sit down, how much time did I say, give me 20 push-ups, you know, I don't know. That might come out. I, I mean, that comes out of me, and I'm not even military, so I don't know about you. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and one of my, one of my my uh, kids, like she's definitely the one that likes to push the boundaries. Mm. And as I read this author and they were saying, you know, they were talking about use this tactic right before speaking to your children. So we're there having worship, right? And we're sharing like, hey, what are we all thankful for, right? And my daughter's like, yeah, no, I don't have anything I'm thankful for. So you're like, <laughs> so you're not thankful to Jesus for anything, right? And no, nothing. I'm like, well, you know, there's only one person not thankful, right? It's the devil, right? <laughs> and I'm like, so you don't want to be like him, right? You're trying to like guilt your child. And she's like, yeah, sure. I'll be like the devil, right? And you're just like, in your heart, like, she I will it. crush you. Right? You will humble yourself. Right? You will be thankful. You will not be like the devil. Right. Come here. I will beat the devil out of you. And so, at this moment in, in time. In a demonic way, you are teaching a demonic child to be more like Jesus. That, that's, the, that's what's happening. Exactly. Yes. So the author said, instead of pressing, right, pray that the Lord softens your child's heart mm. to your instruction. Mm-hmm. So in that very moment, the Holy Spirit brought it back to my mind. And I was thinking my normal cycle, right, has become more aggressive, threatened, right? Like, okay, you're going to get this and this. And so I started praying in my heart, you know, Lord, soften her heart to my instruction. I asked again quietly and politely. I said, are you sure you don't have anything that you're thankful for from this week? And then all of a sudden, like, she kind of paused and it was like, you could tell there was a spiritual struggle. And then she's like, well, yeah, I am thankful for this and this, right, to Jesus for that. And we praise the Lord for that. And you're like, hallelujah, oh, right inside your mind. You're like, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, this is what we go do. I'm going to pray every time. <laughs> but the, the reality is that to me is that new covenant parenting, right? right? Which is let it come from her heart and pray and recognize as a new covenant parent, Jesus is my partner in this. Yeah. Right. He's working with me to bring my child to that place. And I think that's that's part of what that looks like for me. Yeah, I call it inviting the third party in, right? Uh-huh. Sometimes in our marriage, it's me and my wife, and we just think it's the two of us, and that's a dangerous situation. Who's yeah. right? Who's wrong? Who's who are you going to be embarrassed in front? Like how? What's who's the? But you invite the third party of the Lord Jesus, and right? Our children invite the third party and allow Him to work out. And so even with my my own individual life, it's not just me living this spiritual life. I got to mm-hmm. invite the the second person, the Lord Amen. Jesus. Amen. Yeah. yeah, Kelly. I think of another example. So I don't have kids, but I have a husband, um, and I'm going to tell the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell the one story where he did something wrong and it wasn't me. It's, mm. There's only one of those, so I'll tell mm. that one story. Mm. All um, right. <laughs> you're always wrong. You're trying to say you're always wrong. No, I'm always wrong. Okay. That's, that's, no. I'm always wrong. 
But there was one time that David and I were talking about something and I brought up a topic that was highly emotional for him and I asked him a very pointed question and he gave a not very nice answer in a not very nice tone. And so I was just kind of shocked and my reaction was going to be like, oh, you want to talk to me that way? Too complete at that game and I'm way better at it than you are. <laughs> That's like my initial reaction. But I was just like, I, it was the Holy Spirit was just like, he's hurting right now. Let it go. But I'm like, no, but like, he can't get away with talking to me like that. <laughs> like, I need to punish him mm. immediately for his tone. <laughs> but it was just the Holy Spirit's like, no, he's, he's hurting. Let it go. Yeah, yeah. And so I let, I just. We all know that feeling. Yeah. We, all, we all identify. We all identify. And don't you judge her. If you judge her, so we're going to do the same thing to you. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. And so I just, I didn't say anything. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't pretend to have a nice tone right now because there's not one in my heart. So I just, yeah. I said nothing. Yeah. And then we were getting ready to go somewhere. And a few moments passed and I asked if I could serve him in some way so we needed, he needed to get some stuff together so I just like quietly was like do you mind if I gather these things to, will that help you and you could just see on his face like that's not the reaction I was expecting from my wife at this moment right um, and you know he ended up apologizing and we were fine but to me that that new covenant experience also is I don't have to defend myself mm. and I can give forgiveness and I cannot take things personally and I can see the root again it he was hurting at that time mm. and he wasn't processing it correctly and so like I can see into that versus like mean tone I give you mean tone it's not a transactional right. it's not a vindictive it's like I I love you 100% you don't it's not oh you were mean to me then you get punished with a silent treatment for three weeks until you apologize properly mm -hmm. on your knees mm -hmm. it's just you know you have <laughs> yeah, no, the human, human heart has different ways to, to vindicate to, yeah. to react to, to revenge just to overpower the other person whether it's through more force or withdrawal of goodness or the human heart is very creative, evilly. And again, I think sometimes we can really rationalize it. Like in sure. Sebastian's case, you can Absolutely. be like, your kid is saying something not good. Yes. So that means you can pull out all the stops. Or like, yeah, David right. shouldn't talk to me that way. That means, but it's it's grace upon grace, right? Yes. That's what Jesus has given to us. Yeah, mm. logic doesn't always make sense. Yeah. Yes. And the significance of the prayer, the Shema, is the fact that you cannot divorce from the prayer the reminder that we need to constantly remember it. Mm. In other words, mm. and because that's what he's saying, right? Part of this part of this prayer is the fact that it needs to be remembered. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we're so prone to forget. 100%. We're prone to forget immediately when we're done after we're done reading it, right? Yep. Like how many times, you know, you study the Bible and you have this like awe moment with God, you walk out of your room and then all of a sudden you forget exactly what you just read. Like, right? Where was I reading? Yeah, and, and it's like, it's true. You, you, you've just prayed and you've said, God, I want to be holy. And then you confront reality and you're not holy. So this concept of remembering yeah. well. is critical as well. Yeah, we really encourage you out there to get on your knees. I mean, this is my reaction right now because I mean, after this episode, we might even forget uh, these blessings that God has given to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I prayed the Shema prayer. Lord, help me to love, help me to obey. I can't even do that much. Even the, me praying, this is you working through me through your Holy Spirit. Hopefully this is your prayer. I know it's Israel's, it's Sebastian's, Kelly's, and mine. God bless you. We'll see you here next week as we continue our journey in the book of Deuteronomy. You want to go to inversebible.org and download the next lesson and study up until we see you next week. And uh, have a great week. Bye.
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.